Entrepreneur Mark Zuckerberg recently proclaimed that Facebook is the place where real communities will form in the future, replacing what the church and Little League baseball teams have been doing for years. <laughs> Not so fast, Mr. Zuckerberg. Technology is a wonderful tool in today's world, and we use it in the church I serve, but it will never replace God's plan called the church. One thing the success of Facebook does reveal is the deep human desire for connection and community. The church is the place to know and be known, love and be loved, serve and be served, celebrate and be celebrated. The bride of Christ is the hope of the world because of the gospel the church proclaims. I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good. Hello and welcome to this Monday edition of Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. I'm Brian Davis. Thanks for stopping by. Well, Acts chapter 2 is one of the most exciting passages in all of Scripture. The supernatural birth of the church. The first sermon ever preached in the church age in which 3,000 people came to faith in Christ. And then there's a brief passage that explains what we now know as the five purposes of the church. And that's where Ron is headed today as he continues his teaching series, A.D., Acts of the Apostles. And at somethinggoodradio.org, check out Something Good Television, Something Good Courses, Something Good Travel, and the new Something Good Digital Library, where you can search for biblical answers to your questions from nearly 30 years of Ron's Bible teaching ministry. And now from Acts chapter 2, here's Ron with today's Something Good radio message, Community Life. I'm reading this morning from Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42. It says of the early church that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Well, that passage of Scripture I just read, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, is uh, probably the clearest and most concise glimpse we have into the early church 2,000 years ago. You can lay alongside Acts 2, 42 to 47, Acts 4, 32 to 37, and, and these two passages of Scripture, again, provide us the, the best glimpse we have into the activities of the early church. And there are a lot of people today, and especially a lot of young people today, saying, you know, we, we need to get back to Acts chapter 2. We need to have, be an Acts chapter 2 kind of church. And I couldn't agree more. Um, these uh, passages of Scripture give us some sense of how it all began 
And, and from this, many Bible teachers and theologians derive from Acts 2, 42 to 47, what we might call the five purposes of the church. You know, the mission of the church is not up for discussion. Jesus gave us the mission of the church. It's a great commission mission. He told his disciples, go therefore into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And then he left them with this promise. He says, I am, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And we've taken that great commission uh, mission, as it were, and, and we language it this way at Shores, that our mission is to glorify God by making disciples of Jesus Christ who go and make disciples. Uh, every mission of the church uh, should sound like the Great Commission. Well, likewise, the purposes of the church are not up for discussion. Uh, they are self-evident in how we see the early church operating 2,000 years ago. And, and from these five purposes that I'm going to share with you this morning, we derive as a church our strategy, not just what we do and why we do it in our mission, but how we do church. And our goal is to be as biblical as possible, to, to align to what we see in Scripture. So with that in mind, I, I want us to, to dive into Acts 2, 42 to 47. It's always good to kind of have a refresher as to the purpose of the church and why we're here. This is a little bit of insider language this morning. If you're visiting with us, we're glad you're here. If um, you're not sure about this thing called Christianity and you know, you're still investigating Jesus and the gospel and all that, we're glad you're here too. Uh, but this, this part of our study, the book of Acts, brings us to a passage that um, lends us to a little bit of insider conversation about who we are as a church, why we exist, and what our strategy is to carry out the mission that God has given to us. With that in mind, here's, here's the first purpose of the church that's self-evident from this glimpse we have of the early church, and I would just describe it as worship, okay? We find the church gathering to encounter God. And I want you to look at verse 44. It says, and all who believed were together. And verse 46, and day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in the homes. Uh, they were together. And this is before the days of uh, technology where, you know, supposedly we can be together uh, in cyberspace, you know. Uh, there was no Facebook here where they connected. No, this is face-to-face -to -face togetherness. Um, part of what we see as a glimpse of the early church here is the early church in community, experiencing authentic biblical community, the kind of community that brought them together in face-to-face -face kinds of relationships. Now, I'm all for the technology of today, but uh, this is the generation that is the most connected technologically than any other previous generation, but we're the generation that least experiences authentic biblical community. And oh, the irony of that. Mark Zuckerberg would like us to believe that Facebook is going to replace the church and what Little League has done over the last, you know, however many uh, decades and centuries, but uh, not so fast, Mr. Zuckerberg. Uh, uh, what the church does in coming together, gathering together in face-to-face -face encounters can never be replaced by technology, no matter how much, you know, we love uh, the use of modern technology today. Uh, there's the church gathered and the church scattered. And there needs to be a time, we call it a, a, a time of worship on Sunday, where the church comes together 
and uh, we gather. But notice the early church, they gathered in the temple, and they gathered uh, by breaking bread in their homes. Why do we encourage you to be in worship on Sunday, the first day of the week, the Lord's Day, gathered as, the, as a body of believers, gathered as the bride of Christ, and then also get connected in a life group? Did we just come up with this, you know, as a 21st century way of doing church? No, it goes all the way back to the first century. They gathered in the temple, and they gathered from house to house. And so we say gather for worship. Make that a priority in your week. Be here on Sunday to be the church gathered. And then get connected in a life group. Uh, as we grow larger as a church, we grow smaller at the same time. And, and notice the early church did this day by day. This, this wasn't just a weekly thing that they did when they could fit it into their schedules. They were so taken by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it transformed everything they did. They said, because of the risen Christ, we've got to be together. And it was a, the demonstration of the church gathered in this place uh, for worship. Uh, verse 43 says, great awe came upon them. The fear of the Lord came upon them, upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Now, I've been saying for a while as a pastor that our culture has changed, and quite frankly, it's really hard to prioritize being in church on Sunday. Um, I say that because our culture has changed. From a generation ago when the church had the exclusive rights to Sunday morning, businesses were not open, the blue laws were in place, uh, there was no kids' sports on Sunday morning, we had the exclusive rights to it. That has changed in our culture. And now everything is competing for our time seven days a week. There's nothing sacred in our culture about gathering in church on Sunday, which means as believers in Jesus Christ, we have to work extra hard to make it a priority in our lives. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25 suggests it might have been a challenge even 2,000 years ago because the writer of Hebrews says, let's not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Well, what day is he talking about? He's talking about the day of the Lord, the second coming of Jesus Christ. He, he says that there's all the more reason to be together, gathered as a church, because we need to encourage one another as we see that day approaching. Well, friends, we're 2,000 years closer to the day of the Lord, the second coming of Jesus Christ, than the early church was. And given what's going on in our world today and even in our own culture, there's even more reason for us as followers of Jesus to prioritize our times of worship and our times of gathering. And that's my challenge to you today. Let's not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Let's not allow other things to creep into that time that we prioritize in God's house. You're a believer in Jesus Christ, be in God's house on Sunday. If it's not this house, be at another house, another house of worship that preaches the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Find some place where you can regularly be in church because your spiritual health and the health of that gathered body of believers depends on it. We need each other. We need to encourage one another. And even your presence and my presence here on a weekly basis does that. So that's the first purpose of the church. We gather to worship. 
Secondly, we gather for discipleship. I say the church now grows to experience the fullness of Christ. Look at it in verse 42. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Up next, the second half of Dr. Ron Jones' message, Community Life. If you're a first-time listener to Something Good Radio, we'd like to send you a free chapter of Ron's most popular book, Mysteries of the Afterlife. Consider it our way of saying thanks for being part of our radio listening family. Stop by our new and improved website, somethinggoodradio.org, and click the I'm New icon at the top of the homepage. That's somethinggoodradio.org. While you're there, share your prayer request with us by clicking on Explore at the top of the homepage and then scrolling down to the How Can We Pray For You option. Our ministry team will be happy to join you in prayer, so contact us anytime. Well, the first purpose of the church is to worship God, individually as well as corporately. Next on the list is discipleship, and that's where we're headed now in the rest of today's Something Good Radio message, Community Life. Once again, here's Dr. Ron Jones. A part of what it means to make a disciple of Jesus Christ or to be his disciple, his fully devoted follower, is that a disciple is a learner. You're under the teaching of God's Word and you're in it for yourself. And certainly we do that when we gather for worship and we have a time of preaching as we're doing right now, the teaching of God's Word. But it also happens in another environment we call life groups or small groups. Uh, we say life change happens best in the context of community and in the context of a smaller group. And again, this models the way Jesus discipled his own disciples. He had 12 of them, and he spent time with them in a small group. Oh, he had a ministry to a larger group known as the 70, and he had a ministry to the multitude, but, but Jesus modeled how this was to take place, how, how, we, how we train uh, fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And we talk about how we have um, two environments here, and a third one that I'll toss in in a moment, but two main environments where this discipling takes place, where we challenge one another to grow up in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Peter said, grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Don't be satisfied with spiritual infancy. You know, wah, 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 drink my milk, drink my milk. No, he says, go from milk to meat and grow up in your relationship with Christ. And those of you who are more mature need to be discipling those who are new in the faith. This is how it's supposed to work. And our two environments where that takes place are life groups, smaller context, more organic in the way we do that, and then what we call the Shores Bible Institute on Wednesday nights more traditional classroom settings where teaching happens for um, the entire family at all ages. We've been talking about taking that even a step further. In fact, I'll give you a little insight. I'm working on a discipleship curriculum that um, I want to bring down to a one-on-one, -on -one, maybe one-on-two kind of level. It's been my burden for quite some time when I talk to people in the church and I say, listen, has anyone ever discipled you? You came to faith in Christ at such and such date, but did anybody after that happens sit down with you and as kind of a starting point in your relationship with God, walk you through kind of a disciple's first steps? 
vast majority of people in the church, that hasn't happened. You know, and, and, and we've kind of dropped the ball on discipleship. So I'm writing a curriculum. It's a video-based curriculum where I do some teaching, write some study guides. You're going to be able to access it online. And the idea is for you to watch the videos. There's seven sessions. Download the study guide notes. Get into the Word. And then we want to connect you with a discipleship coach in our church family. That might be a staff member. It might be an elder, a deacon, a life group leader. Somebody that you can schedule a coffee conversation with around that particular session's topic, okay? We got to get one-on-one. We got to get one-on-two or three or four, even smaller gatherings than what happens in a life group, and get about the business of disciples making disciples. You go through the curriculum, you'll receive a certificate of completion, but better than that, you will now be certified to be a discipleship coach. Okay? Remember, our goal is to make disciples of Jesus Christ who then go and make disciples. And we'll start with those more mature in their faith who can then offer themselves up as a discipleship coach. We, we want to get serious about this, of not only fulfilling our mission, but also as a matter of strategy uh, to, to disciple people. The third purpose of the church we just generally call ministry. I look inside the early church and I see the church giving to serve God and others. Now, before I point you to the verse of Scripture I have in mind here in Acts 2, 42 to 47, we can talk about giving in three ways, the giving of your time, the giving of your talent, and the giving of your treasure. And that's not new to a lot of us, you know, time, talent, and treasure. We read Acts 2, 42 to 47, and we can assume the early church gave of their time, they gave of their talent, but what's emphasized in the text is the giving of their treasure. Listen to this in verse 45. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Back up to verse 44. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Uh, Part of the reason we say this is a picture of biblical community is because when you're in community with others, you have some things in common. You do life together. And part of what they had in common were their possessions and their financial life. Now, Important not to make a mistake here. Some people look at this and say, oh, here's justification for socialism and communism. No, 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 no. You get a big F on your theological paper if you go there. And here's why. Socialism and communism uh, are ways of redistributing wealth through involuntary, the involuntary coercion of the government. Okay? You know, we got a segment of our society today that says, yay, socialism, yay. They, don't, they haven't got a clue as to what they're talking about. You want the government coercing your possessions and then redistributing them? I don't. And that's, by the way, that's not what the early church was. What you have here, to the contrary, is the voluntary spontaneous, contagious generosity of God's people. 
Generosity that was so taken up by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it transformed every aspect of their lives, even how they viewed their possessions. And when they saw somebody in need, <laughs> they said, listen, it isn't mine to begin with. It belongs to God. What can I do to help you? Now, turn to chapter 4 and beginning in verse 32. Now, now we're ready for this second glimpse inside the early church. Look at it beginning in verse 32. It says, now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. This is a group of people who have become so taken by the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the reality of the risen Christ that they moved from an ownership mentality to a stewardship mentality. Hardest thing in the world to happen as you grow up in Jesus is to say this wallet of mine doesn't belong to me. It belongs to God. Thanks for joining us today for Ron's message, Community Life. And if you've missed part of today's teaching or you'd like to hear it again, visit somethinggoodradio.org to listen on demand. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Hello, friend. I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio. If you've been with us for a while, if you're a regular listener and God is using this broadcast in your life, I want to speak directly to you. When you first tuned in or streamed Something Good, did you know that other people paid to air that program? We call them our ministry partners. They have people just like you in mind when they donate monthly to Something Good, which is a 100% listener-supported ministry. Now that you're a regular listener, will you do the same? Will you help us share something good with someone else? We created the 828 Club for people who choose to partner with this ministry through prayer and monthly financial support. It's based on Romans 8.28, which in the message says, every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. I'm asking you to prayerfully consider joining the 828 Club today by giving $28 or more per month to share something good with someone else. And when you do, we'll send you some resources to help you grow in your relationship with God. It's our way of saying thanks for your partnership in this gospel ministry. So please join the 828 Club today. Here's Brian with all the details. None of us can accomplish God's will without a little help. Today, with your help, Something Good Radio will keep reaching people with the gospel through our media ministry. When you partner with us, we'll send you a free copy of Ron Jones' full-length book, Mysteries of the Afterlife, exploring its amazing secrets. To join the 828 Club today, please visit our new and improved website, somethinggoodradio.org, and use the Partners tab at the top of the homepage. That's somethinggoodradio.org or call 757-276-1099. If you can't become a partner but would like to make a donation to Something Good Radio today, we'd love for you to have the complete audio download of the series you're hearing now, A.D. Acts of the Apostles. That's A.D. Acts of the Apostles, our gift to you by request for your gift to Something Good Radio. Make a donation online at somethinggoodradio.org or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. You can also call our offices at 757-276-1099. Verse 47 says, And the Lord 
added to their number daily those who were being saved. They were giving birth to new believers in Jesus Christ. That should always be uh, a way to measure how healthy our church is. How many people came to faith in Christ this year? How many people have we baptized? I know the answer to that question in so many churches is a big goose egg. And the church has become a, a fortress and a big holy huddle and a group hug for the already convinced. And they've, they've lost their passion for, for lost people outside the four walls of the church, their neighbors, their communities. May we never lose that passion. That's tomorrow in part two of Dr. Ron Jones' message, Community Life. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.